Hey everyone, welcome to the second episode of Naive No More, a podcast by two IIT Guwahati mathematics undergrads, where we invite awesome guests from different industries. We ask them the most naive of questions, aggregated from a variety of people, to satisfy the growing curiosity of the universe. Today, we have with us Rahul Ritesh, Senior First Officer at Indigo Airlines. Rahul graduated from IIT Guwahati in 2013. He then worked as an Android developer for a an year at Y Media Labs. after which he decided to become a pilot and started his journey to become one in this episode we'll be taking an interesting flight through rahul's journey the aviation industry a pilot's life and much more so rahul welcome to the show great to have you hey rakesh thank you so much uh, play, all players all mine yeah. good to be on the show thanks okay okay rakesh. so hi rahul is rakshit here hi rakshit yeah. okay so i'll be uh, starting with the first question so i want to first go back to the moment when you decided that this is done you know it's time to follow my passion now it's time to become a pilot take us back to that moment so so that's a pretty interesting story actually you know matlab uh, i was it was year 2014 yeah one year after i joined as a android developer as you said at my media labs and uh, it was february when i got a challenger self india scholarship from uh, the swedish institute which is based in sweden for a uh, statistics and data mining course in linköping university uh, so i had to give a submission to them that i'm joining on and i still remember that it was 9th april 8th april midnight i opened the portal and i was just thinking kya karu kya karu kya karu and ended up rejecting it so i just pressed reject and i closed my laptop and slept the next morning i had tons of messages from the swedish embassy saying what happened what happened what happened and by that time i knew that there was not a chance of going back so i told my parents they were pretty disappointed in me thinking ki nobody knows what this guy is up to now he already got a good opportunity and he rejected it so i decided to go back to my home talk to my parents about it and i just went back we we everybody i could say everybody had some disappointment in me because the job that i had uh, at least i was not happy with it so i needed a change but i didn't know what was the next step for me so i was coming back from ranchi which is my hometown to bangalore via kolkata and i was with my sister during that time we had a halt in kolkata so i was just sitting inside the airplane and i was telling my sister you know this is slap this is how it works this is these are this is what a wing does uh these are the clouds there are different types of clouds and all these things and she asked me a very basic question she was like weren't you interested in aviation at some point of time i was like uh-huh, yes but i don't think that matters anymore now she's like absolutely it doesn't matter anymore but if you've got a chance now that you're not going for ms if you've got a chance give it a try if you want to and i'm like ha huh, matlab basically there's no problem doing that so i was like all right so i started googling all these uh, aviation institutes in india and luckily just 3 days later we had a uh, what did you what do you call that uh, so education fair yes education fair in bangalore wherein one of the flying institutes had a counter had a so i just went there i had a word with them and found out that they have something called a indigo cadet program which is basically you join the institute as a indigo cadet and until unless something goes really wrong you'll uh, have a 
chance to join indigo directly without having to wait for a selection process and all so i talked to my parents about it they were like if you want to you can give the exams we'll see what to do next uh, 8th of may i gave my written exam and by july i had my offer in hand so uh, it's like you know i don't know if you guys know this so if you talk to a few of my juniors just a batch junior to me in manas hostel we would have sessions as in bakar and i would just i told a few of them ki you know banna to mujhe bhi pilot tha par dekho main engineer ban gaya so i always had this thing in my mind that i wanted to be a pilot uh, just in no went to execute it luckily i got a break and went for it so yeah that's about it Mm, right really interesting so around uh, the process of becoming a pilot i mean i googled it online and it seemed quite complex as in like there are multiple layers to it like i saw there was an entrance exam an interview training institute and then you have to like do some number of flying hours you have to complete so like can you walk us through it uh yeah that's it so what happens is you go for first of all uh you start choosing for a institute as in which institute to go to so in india there are about four to five very nice institutes right now uh yeah just uh, so this is uh, like directly after your 12th or is it like this later this on? can take you after 12th yes so uh, for a commercial pilot you all you need is a 12th pass with a minimum number of percentage which depends from airline to airline in maths as well as physics and english three subjects so once you have crossed that criteria which most of us do uh, you can go directly for your flying training which could happen at any of the institutes in india or abroad now there are different conditions when you fly in india or abroad because you get a say you fly in us so you get a us license then you have to convert it in india so you have to give more exams over here i decided it would be in india because i got the cadet program so i started in nfti gondia my selection process was first of all it was a very basic maths physics and english test uh that was a written multiple choice question followed by uh something called a cas cas is basically a cognitive skill test multitasking and cognitive skill test uh that in that you fly a simulator and you have three screens in front of you where you fly a plane uh, not a real plane but just a joystick and pedal type of game and then you have two screens on either side of those screens Uh, wherein you get questions and you have to solve them simultaneously so that is what cas is uh, then once you are done with that session they call you up and you have to debrief them on the on how the session went and they try to ascertain how well have you understood your mistakes throughout the session uh, once you clear that you go for a group discussion and personal interview that that is very specific because this happened to me because i was a cadet program so this happened at indigo headquarters if you are a normal flying cadet who doesn't have a job offer from elsewhere you don't have to go through this third step so i went for my group discussion and personal interview at indigo headquarters wherein we i was interviewed by three of the chief pilots and that was that was a pretty relaxed uh, session nothing much to worry about uh, once you've gone through this i got my offer letter then went for my flying so flying starts with you getting a student pilot license which is which is basically you study the basics of flying and then you give up a written exam followed by a oral exam and then you get a student pilot license once you have a student pilot license and you have to start flying so first 6 hours are just 
knowing the basics of a plane, knowing how to fly, just a basic rudder and pedal joystick kind of thing. Uh, once you have crossed those six hours, you go for a very small check, which is to understand whether or not you have understood how to fly. Then you start doing a circuit and landing, which is basically you do landings over and over and over and over again, six, seven landings an hour to make sure you get to know how to land. This is important because by the 20th hour of your flight, uh, you are expected to be released for a solo flight, which is the there would be no instructor with you in the flight. You will be the only one to fly. So I got my uh, solo flight at 18th hour, and then the next, then the next part is you get an IF rating, which is instrument flight rating, followed by night flying, cross country flying, and once you are done with one, so 185 hours are done on a single uh, engine aircraft, which is a simple one propeller aircraft out of which 100 hours has to be done alone, 85 hours with an instructor. Once you're done with 185 hours, you go for a multi-rating. Multi-rating is two-engine, two-propeller aircraft and 15 hours with an instructor. In between these, you have about 12 checks. Yeah, 12 checks if I'm not wrong. And you have to clear seven papers. Six of them are theory. One of them is basically a radio telephony, what we, how we communicate with the ATC and all that. So seven papers in total and 200 hours of flying. Once you're done with all of this, you can go for your, uh, what do I say, your license. So you submit all the papers to DGCA, Directorate General of Civil Aviation, and you get the license from there. So this is just a commercial uh, flying part of it, as in commercial pilot license. Now, since after this was done, I had to go for my Airbus rating because I fly an Airbus A320 family aircraft. So I had to go for my Airbus rating. That is another three months of course. I did it in Kuala Lumpur, three months of Airbus simulator, full flight simulators. And once that is done, again, that has to be endorsed on your license that you are qualified for A320 flying. All of this put together takes about two to three years, depending on how quickly you can clear it and what the season is like. And then since I was a cadet, I got a job immediately. Otherwise, you have to apply for the examinations. Overall, not a very easy task, but yeah, compared to an IIT, it's it's a piece of cake. Yeah, that's right. I have this like huge grin right now. I mean, it's so complex and like we do like maths and physics in college and you know, it's this, this is much tougher. Nay, nay. I, I would always say flying is much easier than getting out of an IIT. But it's, <laughs> but it's like uh, so involved. I mean, it's intense. Uh, so many layers to it. In IIT, like you enter college and like in four years after like doing uh, like the same style studying in all courses, you are done, right? But uh, here, like you have to do so many things. Absolutely. In fact, I'll tell you something. So the first six hours of flying, they teach you about uh, flying it. So they'll get you into unusual attitudes as in 40, 50 degree pitch up. Then suddenly they'll stall the aircraft wherein you'll fall from 5,000 or 6,000 feet to 4,000 feet in a matter of seconds. So the first four, five hours, everybody is advised to carry a poly bag with them. And that is in case you decide to vomit. So like there are so such unusual G factors at that point of time for the initial three, four, five hours. I've seen so many people who ended up vomiting in flight because they couldn't cope up through the G factors uh, throughout those one hour of session or something. But once you have crossed that six hours, it is fun to to do all those exercises. Like I've done 70 degrees turn. 
so roll the stick 70 degrees so the aircraft is in a 70 degree bank and have turned uh, that's that's pretty dangerous we don't do it in line flight because the passengers would freak out but you have to go through a lot of uh, different exercises to make sure you learn uh, what all situations you can end up with and how to recover from it mm-hmm, so it's right. it's yes some extent it's challenging but it's fun at the same time like i still remember my first flight amazing amazing it was yeah and uh, like you mentioned that you have to like take certification or license for a particular aircraft so uh, i mean are the different models so different that you ca- cannot fly the other models or is it like something you just have to do so so uh, like let's just compare two aircrafts that most of the people across the world fly one of them is a boeing like boeing is a manufactured the other one is airbus right so if you look at the boeing and the airbus cockpit it's completely different um, if you remember watching tailspin there was a yoke that balloon would carry right aise do haath se pakadte the boeing still have that if you look at airbus it's just a joystick that normal computer games have mm-hmm. so that's the first and the most basic difference so how you handle it i've never handled a joystick ever in my life i've always handled sorry i've never handled a yoke ever in my life i've always handled a joystick uh, the other thing is like boeing and airbus have different cockpit uh layouts see at the end of flying how you fly the aircraft will always remain the same however you need to understand how the systems are programmed like boeing 737 max if we all know we all know how what happened to that because there was some confusion in what the system would do in certain situation and pilots were not very aware about it so it resulted in a tragedy very sad about that but you need to know what every separate aircraft does and how does it do it there are different computers on different aircrafts like airbus uh, normally wouldn't allow a pilot go into a very into a situation that would res- that could result in a crash 80% of time the aircraft itself in an airbus the computers itself will override the pilots from doing it however that's not the case in boeing boeing the pilot can control everything that he wants Oh. and so, so it depends on what manufacturer you fly what is the generation of the aircraft like we have uh the latest one that we fly and the oldest one that we fly they have significant differences that you don't need to go for a sim but you need to read your books for it and our books are pretty pretty thick like this one book called flight crew operating manual that tells you about what all systems are there and that book is about 9000 pages and that's just one book in total if we add up all the pages it'll be about 18 20000 pages that we have to read so i yeah, have pretty daunting at that so uh, just one question do they like are they even printing the uh, like are they even publishing this book or is it just like a pdf version available because i mean 18000 uh, so pages that sounds too much yeah paper cockpit initially but uh, print keeping 20000 pages of a book in an aircraft would increase the weight and like every penny counts for an airline airlines run at the thinnest of margins that we could ever think of so they started removing the books from there and they started getting ipads in our aircraft so right now everything is an ipad but if you go back 4 years 5 years everybody used to have a hard copy and every 3 months though these books get updated so every 3 months you have to pick out the pages that have been changed and then put out put in the new ones 
So that used to be pretty tough, but thankfully I never had to go through it. So lucky for me. Right. So, uh, so Rahul, like, uh, is this entire process for like in domestic flying or uh, the international process is also kind of the same? It's it's always the same because the aircraft like only thing that changes is if you're flying to say New York instead of a Airbus rating, you, Airbus 320 rating, you would maybe do a Airbus 350 rating or Boeing 777 rating. Once that is done, there's no difference. There's absolutely no difference in international flying or domestic flying. Like we are cleared to fly international the moment we have 100 hours on that aircraft. So, so absolutely no difference. You can fly wherever you want as long as the company flies to that destination. There are a few airports where you need certain skills like Port Blair, uh, you need certain skills, Srinagar, Jammu, uh, all these places you need different skills and those even Patna. And those are taught to you during your flights itself. You fly with a trainer, he takes a check for you. But otherwise, doesn't matter much. Actually, it doesn't matter much. The only thing that happens that is significant in Indigo is we fly to Istanbul. And Istanbul is the only airport where we have, uh, like, you have icing conditions over there. So the runway can be covered in ice. Your wings can be covered in ice. And it's, it's actually fatal to fly with ice on your wings so you have some de-icing procedures and also all those things are taught to us separately for separate airports but otherwise in terms of flying there's no difference whether you fly international or domestic absolutely so like one thing i got in mind just now when we were talking about weights and the books so like this is i think a stupid question but uh when like we have more kilos than what is allowed in the check-in baggage (laughs) so why do they like allow you to take in more weight uh, by just like taking some money or something. I mean, they should like st- keep it strict, right? I no. mean, isn't that yeah? Yeah. So, so I I'll just answer that. It's it's see, uh, airlines always run on money, right? Uh, previously, I don't know if you remember this, but previously the baggage allowance would be 20 kgs. Then they decided to reduce it down to 15 kgs. So if the aircraft can carry 15 kg, could have carried 20 kg. At that point of time, it certainly can carry 20 kgs now it's as well. So uh, that's, that's I would say, just a way of uh, making some extra money from your ticket sales and all. Uh, apart from that, there's always a lot of, like 80-90% of the cases, there's always a lot of space in the cargo compartment. And cargo is a major factor to an airline revenue itself. Um, just yesterday, Emirates announced its... Uh, profit margins and 10% of the profit came just from the cargo. So the more cargo you take, like an airline would love to ha- love you to have 50 kgs for one person so that they can charge for the 35 kgs extra. There's always space for that. And it's just a way of charging more money so that they can get some more money, they can get into profit. Right now, I don't think any company in India is, is making profit. At least in the last quarter, I don't think anybody made profit. So it's like for us, for us, it might feel like, you know, the airline is charging 500 rupees extra or say 1000 extra for 5 kgs. Uh, and, and that's a valid point from a customer's point of view. But, you know, everybody has the same rule and you can't argue with that. So I think we've got to live with it that let's not try to go beyond our luggage limit. I've right, seen so many people carrying 8 I, kgs, 10 kgs on the back, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also a like, factor of 
like making the tickets accessible for everyone i mean uh, affordable for everyone because you can definitely up the prices on the tickets right if you increase the cargo price but so, so if you want to yeah. yeah yeah please go ahead please go ahead no like if you want to make it affordable for everyone then you can just like that's what they have done right they have that's kept the that is, that is something that air asia does very nicely if you look at air asia they give you an unbundled fare at the very start so that fare has nothing it doesn't even have a baggage allowance however if you look at indigo or spice jet they give you two options first of them is a light option which is without baggage the other one is with baggage so air asia never does that that saves you about 500 kgs all your allowed to carry is a handbag and that too of only 7 kgs air asia actually measures the weight of your handbag but uh, yeah see the first 15 kgs if you take with you that hardly costs you about uh, even if you go for a unbundled fare and you buy only a seat for yourself and not a baggage later on you end up having a baggage they charge you only 450 because that's the government rule not to charge beyond a certain amount for a certain sector for all the sectors there's an amount that is fixed and they can't charge you beyond that however after those mandatory 15 kgs uh, government has set a limit of i think 500 rupees per kg and all the airlines follow that so if you want to travel light yes absolutely go for the unbundled fare that will save you 500 kgs sorry 500 rupees okay right cool so quite an extensive discussion i think we had about this whole airline thing from the customer's point of view so i want to bring it back again to like you know while you're going for the airline training so around while i was searching online i saw there there are a couple of routes for pursuing aviation as a career one is obviously civil aviation which i think is the commercial pilot route and, and which obviously you have taken and the other is the defense forces route so did you ever consider going for the second route or like was it very clear from the very start that you know i want to become a commercial pilot at the end uh all right so yep i've been asked this question a lot of times i must tell you so i always wanted to be an air force pilot always always wanted to be an air force pilot but i had some medical issues and because of that i couldn't clear my medical rounds so there uh so once that happened i i basically thought not to apply anywhere ever again and oh sorry two years later this came up but yes having said that i always wanted to be an air force pilot because that that is the real flying if you see a fighter flying that is that is way 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 more exciting that what we fly right now in commercial aviation so uh again continuing on the same like theme uh i know like there was a lot of struggle involved for you to follow your passion i mean both from like your family point of view and uh, otherwise also so and this is why like we respect those who follow their heart because strength comes from struggle so it would be great if you could like tell us more about your journey so yeah so as i said i got my joining as in my final confirmation about july or something and i went for my contract signing in the month of august um to gurgaon and over there by that time i knew i had to do a cpl i had no idea about the type rating part which is the airbus part so i had googled online and i found out the fees is 35 lakhs which anyway was pretty high for my family uh, we i had a discussion with my dad he's like okay we'll manage somehow go and sign the contract we're sitting in a group there were about eight of us and most of them with were with the parents i was the only one alone so one of the parents just uh, we're having a discussion with the chief pilot and one of the parents just asked that guy let's say you're asking us to pay you 60 lakhs and you're not giving us a job guarantee 
and the first thing that struck me was why 60 lakhs i only thought 35 lakhs so i turned around i asked another guy i'm like dude 60 lakhs he's like yes bro 35 lakhs for the license 36 lakhs another 20 lakhs for the vibrating i'm like what's vibrating he's like airbus trading i'm like damn and i had no idea where to get the rest of the money from so i signed a contract i had a word with my chief pilot i was like sir you know what i had no idea i had to pay 60 lakhs i only knew 35 36 lakhs and i was prepared to arrange for it from somewhere but right now i don't know if i'll be able to arrange 60 lakhs anyway so he's like okay no problem you signed the contract but if you don't want to join just drop us a message so this was in on august 5th and we are supposed to start our classes from september 23 i went back to bangalore i called up my dad Um, from Delhi airport itself, I'm like, you know what, 60 lakhs. I don't think we are, we'll be able to do it. And my dad is like, okay, no problem. Apply for a MS again next year. You'll probably get it somewhere for sure. So, and days passed by. I told everybody that I'm gonna be an Indigo pilot, and I felt bad that I won't be able to now. So we kept on discussing. My sister, me, my dad, I. Told Indigo that I won't be joining the September batch for sure because we are not sure about the funding yet. Uh, month of October we had Durga Puja. I went back home again, and my dad could see in me that I wasn't very happy. So he's like, "Okay, you know what? We can take a loan or something like that. I can ask my uh, my relatives for some money. We could sell some land. We could we can try to do it somehow." I'm like. Okay, you arrange a part of it, and I'll start doing freelancing after my after I quit my job. So I started doing freelancing. We figured out a way to do it. Somehow got into the institute in the December batch, and somehow somehow managed to pay it off. Somehow managed to pay it off. I just finished my last loan, my last education loan about uh, eight months back, and it was pretty huge. All all thanks to all my batch mates. They pitched in a lot of money. Like they gave me about 15 lakhs to support my studies. I got about 10-15 lakhs from freelancing, just seven lakhs of loan. But to get it all together at one point of time to convince everybody to give me 30-50k, whatever they could, was was pretty tough because everybody had faith in me, but nobody knew what would come out of me after two years, whether or not I would get a job for sure. But Yep, all thanks to to everybody. Everybody even God for letting me get through it successfully, and and I'm so 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 happy to be right here now, sitting talking to you guys about it. Because after December, the next batch, April batch, the fees got hiked by about eight nine lakhs. So had it had I missed another batch, I would have certainly not been a pilot right now. Pretty lucky for me. Some struggle. I had to work along with flying, but it was all worth it. I would say. My That's God. I mean, really cool. Uh, yeah. I have. I think we both have interacted with Rahul uh, on earlier occasions also, but I never knew this side of the story. Like for me, every time I listen to the story, I am like, like I have goosebumps. <laughs> that is yeah. that is that was quite sensational. I mean, yeah, I have no words for that. So. I I just want to ask you one thing, Rahul. Like, you know, while you were becoming a pilot, or even after you completed the entire course, do you ever get this? You know, ever got this feeling that spending four years at IIT was a waste of time, or or you feel that as it has helped you in your career? 
so very interestingly this was one of the question that indigo asked me during my interview it was the hr who asked me this uh, do you think for, you wasted four years at iit i'm like and you know i didn't even take a second to reply and i was like ma'am you know what the fact that i'm being able to talk to you so frankly without having even an iota of fear or even an iota of anxiety is because i went to an iit like before iit i was a big 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 introvert whatever happened in those four years made me what i am today and that still remains my answer like whatever i have right now most of it have been inherited from those four years of iit i would absolutely love to do it any time again i still love going to my college any time i get an opportunity yeah i mean the bucker section bucker sessions and all that like definitely help one to like, develop <laughs> Okay uh so next question is like uh, is there a lower limit to the number of hours you have to fly in a month and like also about the scheduling so is it done by people working in the operations department or like do you have a say in that too like the locations and destinations and all that so the minimum number of hours vary from airlines to airlines um, i get paid for 70 hours a month even if i fly 1 hour a month i'm only for 29 days out of 30 and i fly only 1 hour a month i'll still get paid for 70 hours that used to be the case pre corona and this changes from airline to airline like a few of the airlines will give you a basic pay which would constitute most of your salary plus flying allowances per hour so it depends from airline to airline for me it's minimum 70 hours but on an average we fly about 65 hours a month again pre corona we have no idea what happens now uh scheduling as you said is done by people sitting at the operations control center we get a schedule every 25th of the month we'll get a schedule for the next month and those schedules have a lot of standbys like say you're flying 60 hours you'll still have five six standbys a month those standbys are meant to cover anybody reporting sick or anybody any flight getting late and pilots running out of their flight duty legalities so any of any such case occurs the scheduling calls you with a 2 hour notice at times they would request you to hurry up take less than 2 hours but legally they are supposed to give us 2 hours notice and 2 hours within 2 hours you have to reach the airport take the flight and leave so that's how it works uh, pretty organized i would say at least in indigo very very organized uh, everything is by the book everything is as per the rules and and i've never been actually uh, like in fact i've never been actually disturbed during my resting hours or something legal resting hours they don't call you pretty relaxed life that way right 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 yeah also one of the questions i wanted to put up earlier also uh, forgot to ask that so how much money does it cost in 2020 to become a pilot i i am assuming that the fees must have increased quite a bit in like past like last four five years so 2020 if you ask me i would say not to become a pilot right now uh, i don't i don't like i am <laughs> okay. no Yeah, or something, but I don't see the aviation market picking up in the next two years. Uh, and with a lot of airlines, like it is projected that thirty, at least thirty percent of airlines will shut down in the next one year. So there will be a lot of oversupply in the market, and people, especially business travelers, won't be traveling as much because everybody is now used to working from home. So 2020, it's not advisable to become a pilot. However, if you really want to become one, uh, See, there's a range. If you go for a cadet program, which is basically sort of a guarantee that you would get into an airline once you finish your course, uh, that has a premium to it. 
because you already have a job offer with you. So that right now costs anywhere between 90 to 1.1 CR, 90 lakhs to 1.1 CR. If you want to be a pilot from like on your own, taking everything on your own, the classes, whichever flying school you want and all that, that would cost you about 50 to, sorry, 70, 60 to 70 lakhs. So anywhere between 60 lakhs to 1.1 CR is what I would estimate. I don't know the actual figures, but this is what I estimate right now. However, if anybody wants to be a pilot, uh, I would probably say this is really not the best time to be. Not really the best time to be. <laughs> this was actually like a question we had after this, but it's good that it's answered right now. Yeah. All right. Mm. So actually, this whole coronavirus thing, we, we we're going to like come back to it again. Like, what are the cultural changes we're uh, obs- we're going to observe after this? But you know, let's save it for the end of the conversation. So again, one of the other questions is that you know the life of a pilot seems all great, awesome from an outside uh, outsider's point of view. Traveling places, the money being involved. There's something to be said about you know traveling above the clouds so frequently. What are some of the upsides and downsides that you can speak about from pilot's point of view? So one of the upside you only said uh, traveling above the clouds. That's uh, like I still love flying at five o'clock in the morning because I could see the sunrise right mm. into my eyes. Especially traveling from Ahmedabad to Guwahati, you could see sunrise and and it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see Mount Everest, Kanchenjunga, everything lined up for you. Uh, another upside is yes, you get to visit a lot of places. You get great stays, five star accommodation, free food. In fact, you even get an allowance to spend at your labor station. So if I go to Kuwait, I get about some amount. I wouldn't say what amount, but I get a very, very decent amount to spend over there. So that's that's another upside. The third, I would say, is people look up to you. Like you tell somebody you're a pilot and 90% of people will be like, oh, nice, very nice. Downsides, one of them is, I would say, and people don't see through it, is the very odd flying hours that we do. Like if you have a flight at 3 o'clock, which departs at 3 o'clock, that means you have to report at 2 o'clock. And that would mean you wake up at around 12.30 or 1. Waking up at 12.30 or 1 is not a very easy task. And it's not like you wake up at 12.30, you get into an aircraft and you sleep like every other passenger. That never happens. You have to stay awake throughout. There are also flights which start at 10 or 11 o'clock in the night and finish at 6 or 7 in the morning. Now, those are the flights that can get you into... A very very tiring mood very moody behavior at times you call up somebody calls you and you sleep at eight o'clock in the morning somebody calls you at 10 o'clock those are the things that you really don't want to happen because you've just gotten into a sleep you don't want somebody to disturb you uh, it does uh, screw up your sleep cycle it does screw up your body cycle completely completely i fly 10 o'clock on one night, the next morning it is five o'clock, third morning it is again three o'clock in the morning, fourth it fourth day it is two o'clock in the afternoon, fifth day it'll be ten o'clock in the night all the way until morning. So six days you can fly continuously and there's a minimum amount of rest. I must add that before everybody starts judging it to be too hard. Once you've finished a flight, you get from the time you switch off your engines to the time you next the next time you switch on your engines is fifteen hours exact 15 hours can't be less than that so that is something very great because if you look at uh, software engineering if you look at consulting and all people keep on doing work from home that never happens in aviation you can't fly from home for sure Uh, but 
it does screw up your sleep cycle it does screw up your body cycle and at times you do get irritated flying for those long hours especially four flights a day on a bad weather day you are being you are doing a bumpy ride four sec four times a day uh, that can give you severe very severe back pain you have also had cases of sleep inertia wherein pilots the moment they close the, their eyes they go into a sleep because they have not been able to rest very well these are the things that are being looked after the comp- looked after by the company very well however it also depends on a personal lifestyle and you have got to manage that well to be able to survive in this industry for long uh yeah so uh so rahul you have been at, at indigo for over 5 years now so like what differences are there at the various levels you've been at like in terms of the responsibilities and the overall work and like what lies ahead for you or a pilot in general uh so yeah just to correct you i've been with indigo as in as a employee on the payroll for just about 3 and a half years now but okay. getting to what it is at different levels i don't think there's a difference i just don't think there's a difference when you fly as a crew as a first officer and a captain you take turns to fly so one of them is a pilot flying the other one is a pilot monitoring the next sector as in say i fly from andhavar to bombay the captain is the pilot flying and the one who monitors him say next sector is bombay to uh, guwahati let's say that's the next sector um, i would mostly be the pilot flying and he would be the pilot monitoring the only thing that changes is as you get more experience people tend to have more 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 much more faith in you so something goes wrong he would think of you as to be of more help than a very junior first officer the moment you become a captain you are in charge of the aircraft anything happens in the aircraft be it in the cabin be it in the cargo hold anything that happens in the aircraft after the captain enters the aircraft is his responsibility so the first one who gets to be axed something happens is the captain everybody is after him so captain is something else but uh, as a first officer as a captain in terms of flying we are all the same at least i would like to believe so Uh, we are all the same we are, have equal responsibilities to take care of uh, but yes in case of progression you start from being a junior first officer then you become a first officer followed by senior first officer captain senior captain then you start becoming trainers you have a line training captain who trains everybody for flying then there are simulator instructors simulator examiners then you get into the management positions that is how it works uh, but responsibilities are like it's all defined we have an operations manual which defines everything and it it's very clearly mentioned over there that a first officer is the second in command and he is expected to learn from the pilot in command who is the captain on how to take charge when he becomes one so that is a very perfect very nice statement and very nicely summarized we all are supposed to uh, look up to it also right 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 and uh, so rahul for you personally i mean uh, do you see yourself like being at the management position after some years or like are you cool with like flying and do you want to be a pilot always yeah too far fetched i would say too far fetched too far fetched yeah at least get into a trainer or something management is a different ball game i'm not sure if i'm made for that but we'll see we'll see how it goes yeah going with the flow basically yeah cool okay cool so 
I want to change the narrative of the conversation so far and incline it, you know, more with the business side of things. So there is this very interesting thing in commercial flights about how pricing is done for the tickets. So, Raul, why is it uh, so dynamic? And uh, what are the factors that play a crucial role in, you know, deciding the fare at any amount of time? This, this, you know, uh, like even I've been searching for this a lot. Um, but I'll tell you the basics that I know, and most <laughs> okay. of most of it you would know as well. So the first one is the frequency. How many flights run from point A to point B on a certain day? Say I go from Kolkata to Dimapur. There are only two flights a day from Kolkata to Dimapur. One is Air India, the other one is Indigo. Lately, I think there's only been one. So when the flight frequency is reduced, you are the sole uh, person in the market you tend to increase the price because you don't have a competition. It's always competition that gets you down. So there's no, mm-hmm. if there's no competition, your prices will always be high. Mostly, mostly. Right. Until right. it's subsidized or it's otherwise regulated by the government. That is one thing. The other thing is what time you fly. Like going from Ahmedabad to Bombay at 7 o'clock in the morning would be much, much, much more costlier than going at 2 o'clock in the afternoon because 7 o'clock in the morning departure, you land at 8 o'clock, that is office time. So that is the time when mostly business travelers travel. So second point would be that. Third would be the day of the week. Like Sundays, Saturdays would be pretty costly because the business travelers would go back to their home. Somebody who stayed out for six, seven days would like to come back home. Uh, Flying on a Wednesday must be cheaper. Fourth is what time of the day do you, as in how early do you book the flight? Booking a flight three months early, might get you a very, very cheap cost. Like I've traveled from Guwahati to Ranchi on a jet airways flight, Guwahati, Calcutta, Calcutta, Ranchi at just 1,800 rupees in 2011. So I booked it three months in advance and that was somewhere in November or something. Very cheap prices. Fifth one is festivals. And like from October to December, you should not expect to get a very cheap ticket. That is what I believe as an, as an aviator. Because those are the times when the flights are really full. And airlines would reduce the price of their flights just to get more customers' flights to it. Because every empty seat is a wasted opportunity. Once the doors are closed, this even if this one empty seat that the airline could have filled, that should have been filled. So like months like March when everybody like everybody has an exam to go through. Those are the seasons when you get lower load factors of about 70%, 60%, 80%. However, months like October, November, December, wherein you have all the festivals lined up together, even May when people start going for summer vacations. Those are times when airlines know that the, everybody would travel no matter what because every nobody wants to stay back at home during those times. So those are the times when the tickets would again be pricey. Fifth thing is, how early do you book it? As I said, so three months in advance. Uh, you go to a counter at the last minute. They know you really need to travel. That is why you have been, you have come to the airport to get a ticket. That is when the cost would be very dynamic. However, you know, every airline has a different algorithm how to calculate. And that also includes scanning for other airlines. Say like if Indigo wants to price a ticket from Mumbai to Delhi. They would also look at what everybody else is selling the tickets as. And then they would have some calculations to it and add or reduce some amount to what everybody else is selling. Or 
say like if SpiceJet only has 10% of the seats booked in their flight. However, Indigo has 90% seats booked in their flight. Obviously, Indigo's flight would be more expensive than SpiceJet flight because SpiceJet needs to break even for that flight. So they'll try to sell tickets at a lower price so as to get more and more customers to fill their plane. Uh, apart from this, uh, I would say the last thing and that's very important is the airport charges. So in India, the airport charges are very high. If you've seen your tickets, airline tickets, it has a lot of sections, which is base fare, then you have GST, then you have uh, airport development fee, passenger service fee. So passenger service fee goes to the CISF, airport development fee, user development fee, all these go to the airports. Now, every time an aircraft lands in any of these big cities like Delhi, Bombay, these uh, airports charge a very, very heavy amount, somewhere in the tunes of 20, 30, 40,000 per landing, just for the landing. So all these also get added to the airfare so that uh, the company can make at least, if it can, some money to pay to its uh, everybody here, like all its employees and all. Very dynamic thing. Yeah. Uh, nobody tells you the trade secret, basically, but these are the basic things that come into picture. Right, right, right. There must be like many complex algos that are into it. And like uh, extending on the prices of like the tickets, uh, do you feel that the industry has been completely transformed by like the likes of Indigo and AirAsia and it is becoming tougher for now other airline co companies to like provide the same service at a comparable cost? Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. So three years when I started flying uh, and now when I see it, yes, absolutely. I've been to places where I never thought there would be an airport. I've been to Prayagraj, which is basically Allahabad. I never knew there's an airport over there. I knew there's an air force field, but all those flights are completely full. And right now, like you see even the lower middle class people traveling through air. That's, that's a very welcome move actually, because India needs mobility. India needs mobility and trains, even though they are very cheap, uh, are not the fastest means of transportation. Everybody knows air travel is safer and it gets you from point A to point B in absolutely no time. So yes, uh, AirAsia has done that in Malaysia, has done that in Philippines, Indigo is doing that in India. They've gone from about 100 aircrafts four years back to 250 aircrafts right now. And that's only because it is, it is the lower middle class in India, which is the largest chunk of population that we have. That is pushing this air growth forward has been pushing this air growth forward until now right right so yeah again this whole thing why is it becoming like so often that the airlines industry is regu is regularly facing a crisis of one kind or the other uh, a few months back we had the whole Boeing issue happening okay that that, that was again not related with the factor not related with the issues that are going to lay out now then the whole air india thing in this country and then the jet airways disaster. So reasons for the problem, according to you? Uh, taxation, I would say. One of them is very high taxation. So what happens is, uh, like we are one of the most taxed industries in the world. Aviation fuel is taxed at about 40% from what the basic price is, and aviation constitutes of 45% of the airline operating cost itself. The other one is, as I said, the landing charges, the landing charges, the parking charges, user development fees and all. With respect to Jet Airways and Air India, if you have noticed, most of the airlines that have gone bust in the past seven, eight years have been Kingfisher 
and jetways both of them are full service airline and this has to do with customer behavior in india we don't really look at uh luxury services say indigo is selling a ticket at 3600 with absolutely no amenities absolutely no amenities however kingfish is giving you a ticket for 3800 which is 200 extra but it gives you an in flight entertainment system along with a meal people would still book for indigo because it's 200 rupees cheaper however just to get a meal and to get a in flight entertainment system it costs you much much more than that much more than the 200 the kingfisher charges you at one point of time uh, the loads for these full service airlines start going so low that they have to start competing with the likes of indigo and goair and spicejet what happens here is you drop your airfare to that much however you are only having 150 seats instead of 180 seats you are also providing food you are also providing in flight entertainment you cost starts increasing manifold and at some point of time you start losing track of it you start losing you are unable to cope up with it and you start going down the drain so that's what happened to all these full service airlines uh, however as i said airlines run on very very paper thin margin uh, 2 years back indigo posted a loss of about 1200 crores in just 3 months in fact if you look at air india balance sheet they lose about 13 3000 crores every single year they need uh, equity infusion of at least 120 crores every month just to stay afloat until unless there are drastic measures taken by the government sector i don't think uh, we'll have a lot of competitors in the near future especially with this covid thing it's gonna get even worse now hmm. but would this be a problem at any point of time if jet airways would have you know cancelled their all the luxuries they are providing so even if you are reducing down the cost if they would have uh, uh, made a cut on all the extra costs they are making do you think it would have helped them in the long run so when we start talking about the extra cost i'll tell you when jetways was about to go down the drain they start they stopped serving meals to economy passengers and all however it's a very long process because we have set up a business strategy for you and it takes it's a very very big overhaul that you have to do you can't just remove 30 uh, business class seats from your aircraft and add 60 economy class seats that doesn't happen like that you have to get a airworthiness permission from the dgca and it's it's a lot of capital intensive thing uh, so i don't think and even now when i meet with people they always remember jet airways for the service that they provide nobody says ah indigo mein you get amazing food in indigo nobody would say that however people do say that about jet airways and uh, vistara even kingfisher now uh, so that's that's their differentiator and jet airways was mainly supposed to cater only to the business class passengers only to the corporate passengers however as it happened indigo started more flights and indigo had much better connections than any other airline in india and people started the all even the corporate passengers started shifting from jet airways to indigo to meet their time requirements uh, that is where i think we succeeded as an airline and jet airways couldn't however i don't think changing the business model really helps Uh, if you are a business airline you should always be a full service airline itself hmm. and what is the current situation with all the jet employees like the airline the airline market seems too packed for anyone to enter uh, you know i don't think there are too many jobs as you mentioned also so what is what are the employees currently doing right now most about 
70 to 80% of the pilots have been hired by other airlines, same with the ground staff. Uh, however, yes, the rest of the 30% are still, I'm not sure what they're doing, but uh, we have only had about 70% across all airlines. So they may be doing some other jobs. I know a couple of my friends who are, who are still looking for a job because they are not senior FOs, they're only first officer, not a senior first officer, so nobody gave them a job. So there are even pilots who are still waiting at home trying to get a job. Okay, and and is it the case with the pilots only, or the ground staff? All the most of the ground staff also has I been hired by other companies. Yeah, with everybody, I think thirty percent of the pilot, thirty percent of the work, entire workforce of Jetways would still be waiting for a job. Uh, at least in the aviation, I'm not sure if they took up job in other sectors, but again, these are management questions, and they wouldn't really tell us what's happening with everything else. However, having said that, last one year, I think Indigo has added close to. Uh, Close to 8,000 employees, 8 to 10,000 employees in the last one year. That's great, yeah. Wait. So, like bringing the discussion now to today's times. So, uh, what are some ways like Indigo and in general the entire aviation industry is helping people during this time? I mean, I heard about the Vande Bharat mission and like loads of respect to the pilots involved. So, can you like tell us more about that? Yeah, so Vande Bharat this mission is being taken by Air India and Air India Express for now. Uh, we have been told that we will be included at a later stage of time. However, we have not been given a surety about that. So that still is a tentative thing. Uh, in Indigo, what we are doing is we are traveling, we are carrying medical supplies to the to stations like Infal, Agartala, wherein only Indigo, mostly Indigo only has operations. So I remember uh, three weeks back, we carried about just about 200 kgs of medical supplies to Agartala. Now, 200 kgs is, is a very, very small amount for a line to take off for. However, Agartala is at a location wherein you need to have air connectivity. You can't go with a train. So, Indigo took up the task completely at its own cost. And I think until now, they have carried close to 30 to 40 tons of medical supplies. We are also starting flights to China to get more medical supplies from there now. Uh, this is the like what Indigo has been doing as a part of nation serving... Apart from that, we are also carrying cargo, fruits, vegetables to places like Abu Dhabi, uh, Singapore, Maldives. That is the commercial part of it. So that's with Indigo. Spicejet has five dedicated cargo planes. So they are flying across the nation. They're flying across the nation carrying food, medical supplies, cargo from here and there. And they, they are really doing well in this job right now. Apart from that, Air India has always been there, yes. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so again, coming back to recent times, and you know, very recently we had the quarterly call of Berkshire Hathaway. Warren Buffett came in uh, to mention the details of uh, whatever happened in the last quarter, and he mentioned that his company has sold all the airline holdings. Now, considering that most of the investors love to follow what he says, are we going to see a lot of money being pulled out of airline stocks also in India too? And do you have any idea about how companies, airline companies particularly, uh, Indigo in your case is planning to resume business once things once uh, the whole situation comes back to normal. So, uh, like, first of all, I don't think it's gonna come back to normal for us at least in aviation. Uh, we would probably start with a very small amount of flight, maybe 25, 30, 35 percent of flights, and as time goes on, as passengers start having more confidence in the airline. They'll start coming in and probably by next year, we'll have 100% of what we had pre-corona. 
which was March, uh, first week. Uh, that is what I think the company would think about. However, I'm not in a position to say what happens because I'm really not the one who decides that. Uh, having said that, airline, yes, aviation is going to go through a very, very tough time. However, like if I had to invest, I would probably invest right now because I know two years, if I'm investing for the long term, actually, I would start investing now because I know in the long term, this is going to shoot up. Um, but you have to be very careful with the line balance sheets and which airline do you think is going to survive through this crisis because uh, we already know there are about seven airlines that already have filed for bankruptcy across the world, including South African Airways, uh, Virgin Australia, Flybe, uh, then there's also Norwegian. So a lot of airlines have filed for bankruptcy already and this trend is not going to stop right now. So yes, aviation might not be the best to invest in a short term view, but in the long term, I don't see a problem with that actually, but that'll, that'll need a lot of patience, at least a year or two. It's it's As I said before, it's not going to be a very easy task for the airlines to manage their balance sheets, to retain all the employees. Uh, we have seen so many airlines that have fired, like if you look at British Airways, they've fired 33% of their staff already. And this is when they've not even started operations yet. So let's, let's just hope that that doesn't happen in India, here in India. But uh, yeah, let's all hope for the best. Keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah, optimism it is. Yeah, so uh, you said that like there are there there might be like twenty thirty percent less flights, but like I'm I'm like uh, asking about the cultural change in the way airlines operate. Like maybe fewer passengers in all the flights, or like something else that you might uh, like you feel might happen. Uh, I mean, both from the customer's point of view and the like industry perspective. Yeah, so there was this news which came in that the airlines will fly with fewer passengers with the middle seat empty. However, that has been taken off the table. Uh, the reason being, fares in India are very regulated and people like to fly at very cheap prices. However, if you see, if you keep 33% of the seats empty, what would happen is even that one rupee that the airline would get out flying you would vanish and it would result in probably a two, three thousand rupees of loss for every passenger missed. Uh, so that has been taken off the table. However, uh, there will be a lot of security measures, sorry, safety measures at the airport. Like there are UV scan, UV tunnels through which your check-in bags would go after you check in it and before you get it back. There would also be mandatory temperature checks. Everybody would have to wear a mask and a, and gloves. Mandatorily, you can't take it out of the flights. So you'll see sanitizers all across uh, between every two flights. Between every two flights, the aircraft would be disinfected. Uh, every night hall, uh, deep cleaning would take, in, take place. Uh, every seven days, the air conditioning filters m- may be changed. Every time somebody is take, found out to be positive, uh, three rows of passenger ahead and behind of that guy would be contacted and asked to self-quarantine. So there are a lot of things that the airline, sorry, that the regulator has proposed and however, Keeping a seat empty right now, I don't see that as an option given how badly the aviation sector is set. So yeah, that that I don't see as an option. Everybody is getting a pay cut, however, uh, and that's just to conserve as much cash as possible. So that would be about it. Yeah. 
and like uh, all these measures would require like more capital even when the industry is suffering already i mean this would require more investment into it absolutely absolutely so in fact i remember uh, somebody had somebody said this that if you have uh, one lakh or something like that in your pocket and you want to become poor invest in airline stocks and that is what happens every 7 to 8 years we see a downturn in the aviation market everybody was projecting that the airline industry would go up by about 10% year on year for the next 10 years and you see what has happened now Air emirates just yesterday said that they don't see a return to normalcy in the next 18 months at least that is at least 18 months so yeah that that does happen yeah so are we going to see like a huge increase in the price of flight tickets also for some time you know so that companies can nullify the losses they have made during uh, this whole coronavirus thing this whole coronavirus phase actually i frankly speaking i don't think so because what's going to happen is people would be much more afraid of flying now than pre corona times because of the social distancing thing and all and to get more and more passengers into place i think the airlines will have to reduce their prices uh, to lure them to into flying Like mm-hmm. somebody right. train for two thousand bucks and he gets an option of traveling the flight for about twenty five hundred bucks. That guy would probably go for the flight itself. So I think that's gonna happen at least until we get fifty sixty percent both sides on our flights. Once that happens, the airline may decide to change the strategy and go for some higher prices. However, I don't see that happening right now. Like I just saw an article which said Delhi Mumbai flights were selling for two thousand five hundred rupees. I've never seen them. I've never seen them fly, uh, selling tickets so cheap for Delhi Bombay. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. And like, even mm-hmm. though like th- things seem seem pretty grim right now, let like let us hope that it will be normal in one two years, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Like optimism is everything we have right now. Uh, I have not been flying for close to two months now, and uh, I still would like to get into my uniform. I have my uniform ready. I just Put that uniform on last week because I was really missing flying. So optimism is all that we have got right now, and everybody is hoping that the future would hold something good for us now. I think everybody across the world, not just in aviation, everybody across the world is looking for that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good Absolutely. message to end on. So Rahul, that's a wrap. Uh, that was truly inspiring, and I am sure people are motivated to take like action towards their dreams. We both really are, I'm sure. and i hope like instead of blindly following the trodden path like we take risks to do things we are passionate about and yeah. like one thing is that even like even after you have reached these heights like quite literally <laughs> you stayed so humble and that really a pleasure to see yeah so like it has been amazing talking to you yeah yeah same here dude same here absolutely yeah. like all pleasures mine uh, really love okay. talking to you guys And and by the way, happy birthday, Rakshit. Uh, sorry, I forgot it in the morning. Happy birthday. <laughs> oh no, not a problem. Okay, I will hope you have hope to have you back on the podcast sometime, right? Sure. Yeah. Have a great day. Stay safe. Bye bye. Hello, listeners. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and on social media. Also, tag at naivnmp on Twitter for any feedback you have. See you guys in the next episode. And remember we might be naive now but we'll be naive no more